0: Our scripture this morning is um, from Matthew 5, 9, on page 683 in the Pew Bibles. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And the next passage is 2 Corinthians 4, 5, and 6, which y'all can find on page 818 in the Pew Bibles. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Good morning. Um, before we get started, let me just tell you what an honor it is to be able to, to get to preach and to be um, up here today as we kind of are preparing for our transition. Um, it's a joy to be able to just share some things that have been very um, pertinent and very very real on our heart over, and on my heart over the last really six or seven months. Before I get into this, though, let me just tell you, you, um, you have working for you a fairly cruel staff, um, and, and here's why. They, this past week, decided it would be a funny idea to give me a list of 12 words that I had to somehow infiltrate into my sermon. Um, <laughs> Which, as I spent time this week kind of finalizing and working on everything, these words, I was like, there's no way. So, in order to, um, to not chicken out of the challenge, I'm going to read you these words. We're going to get this behind us, and then we're going to move forward, all right? Um, so, your words are, as, as to be read, truncated, phalange. can I get a roll tide? Dude, trump. Mamma Mia, Doppelganger, Supercalifragilistic, Diphthong, Jacinta, who, by the way, we'll use hers in context, did a wonderful job on our logo, um, a what what from Dr. Barnett, and then if all things go poorly today, hopefully you'll have me back and I can have a mulligan for this sermon, all right? So those are those, we're going we're gonna to put those behind us, we're going to move forward and, and, uh, and hopefully have a really good morning together. Uh, over the past, I'll say six or seven months, God has really been doing a work in my heart and, and kind of opening my eyes to some things in Scripture that um, I've seen in a new way. Uh, they are things familiar probably to us, and as I kind of, walk, kind of tell you a little bit about what this is, you'll think, well, Caleb, this seems very simple, and it is. Um, it's a very simple truth. It's a very simple question that God has, that I've been asking um, myself and just been asking in my own faith journey over the last, we'll say six months. Uh, But it is a question that I think the answer to provides us with with everything we need for our faith journey. Um, This is a question that I have probably asked since I came to know the Lord. This is a question that our Sunday school teachers probably ask maybe on a weekly basis. Um, This is a question that for 20 years um, I have asked myself thinking that I knew the answer and realizing that as, you know, now at this point in my life, having walked with the Lord for over 20 years, I'm at a point where I'm like, do I fully understand um, the answer to this question? And the question this morning, very simply, that I would like to ask of us is, what is the gospel? In a very simple way, what is the gospel? This is the, the question, the answer to which we as believers, we hang our hat on every single day that, that we try to live our life for Christ. Um, but I think a lot of times we may be, or I know in my own life, I have assumed way too much of myself that I actually understand the fullness of this question, and so here's what I would like to do. Um, I would like to kind of walk us through a story, and and the story is really it's the story of the Bible, and it's a beautiful story. And a lot of times, I don't know if we read it this way. And, and um, when I was in college, I read a book called The Drama of Scripture, and basically what it was is it talks about that the Bible is a drama that has acts and it has you know scenes and it plays out in this really cool way, and it revolutionized the way that I view um, our holy scriptures. Um, I remember back when I was a teenager, and I sat in in a Sunday school class, and here's what I would, I would, I I remember asking, um, I remember being asked this question, uh, do you know what the gospel is? And I remember thinking in my heart, yeah, I know what this is, and so, you know, being a good Southern Christian boy, and and the son of a pastor, I would raise my hand and say, "Um, yeah, the gospel is, uh, it's the good news, to which I would receive another question, well, what is the good news? Well, the good news is that Jesus died for me, that I may, you know, that I am freed, and that I have life, and that this all comes from the gospel, And I would typically receive an answer like, you know, or a response like, Caleb, well done. Like, that's a, that's a great answer. And it is a great answer. It is the appropriate answer. But here's the thing that I have come, that I've realized that I have struggled with so much in my Christian life. And it is very simply this. Is that if the gospel, if our understanding of the, of the gospel is only that it has to do with my personal salvation, then the gospel that I serve is an extremely selfish gospel. It is a gospel that has everything to do with me only. Now, if that's, our, if that's my only understanding and, and recognition of the gospel is that when somebody asks me what the gospel is, it is the fact that personally I can have salvation through us, then I serve a gospel that is built to serve me. And what I've wrestled with for the last six months is that the gospel is way, way bigger than only what it does for me. And so this morning, what I would love to do is to unpack a little bit of what I feel like God has put on my heart about what does the fullness of the gospel look like? And so I want to do this by kind of walking us through the story of Scripture. All right? For some of you, for probably all of you in this room, this is not going to be anything that you don't know. But I just ask that you would just maybe hear it in a way that isn't um, reading through the verses. All right? So the story of Scripture, it goes like this. Back in the book of Genesis, we read the, the opening chapter of the book of Genesis, we read the creation account. And it's this beautiful picture. Um, of God creating all things, of God creating the world. And after each thing he created, God looks and he says, you know, it is good. And then he creates mankind. And he says, you know, it is very good. It is double the good. It's good, good. It is so good, um, this thing that I have created. And so as he stands there, then he creates man. And he allows man, and he, for later on in the, very, the end of chapter 1, it says that he gives man authority and a dominion over all the, the be, all the things of the land, all the things that God has created. Um, he has given the, the power and the authority to rule and to reign over all these things um, in, uh, in creation. And so then we, we continue our story. And what we see is that man becomes a little bit dissatisfied with the things that, that they have been blessed with. right? I mean, does this not sound... I know for me as I read this, I'm like, man, this is, this is me to a T. Is that I've become... I get, I, get, uh, I get restless with the things that God has given me. And I, just, I crave more. I crave to know more. I crave to have more. I crave all these things. And this is what we find early in the story of Scripture, is man becomes unsatisfied, dissatisfied with the things that they have. And they become unsettled and restless. And so what they do is they try to seek more. And so we see Adam and Eve, and we see this tempting that happens in the garden. And all of a sudden, sin has entered the world, man has fallen, and now we are left with this gaping bridge, this gaping gap between God and man. They once had perfect union in the garden, and now that has been separated, um, and there's this, there's this gap that lies between all right, so what happens? So several chapters go on. And then in Genesis chapter six, it says this, that wickedness had crept into the world. Wickedness and deceit had crept into the world had crept into the hearts of men. And it says that God, um, Genesis 6 tells us that the wickedness of man had grown great in the earth and that the Lord regretted that he had made, um, the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth. And so we see God at this point. And so what has to happen? So God sends the flood and he washes out all things, and he reestablishes himself on the earth through Noah and his family. And so then we, we, we begin to see that wickedness even ensues soon after, right? They come out of the flood. God does this amazing work, and, and immediately um, Noah falls to sin again. And so we see this. So we see after this, we see God comes, and he says, well, we're gonna, I'm going to establish a kingdom on the earth. And so he, he raises up this nation of Israel and he puts king after king in place and in position and in authority over this nation. And we see, again, wicked kings come and go. We see the deceitfulness of, the deceitfulness of man creep in to the heart of each of these men that rule. Even David, the beloved great king, we see his wickedness um, as he you know, commits murder and adultery and, and all these, you know, these terrible things. And we find ourselves again in this wickedness. And so this goes on all throughout the Old Testament. Right? And then we get to the end of the Old Testament, and here's what we have. We have this gap. Of 400 years where god goes silent we don't have we don't read you know we don't have a story there's no there's been this prophesying of the messiah we don't know who the messiah is we're waiting for it and as a reader of this drama it's kind of like it's that point where you're like on like on edge like what's about to happen like what is going to happen after the silence and then jesus busts on the scene and we see jesus walk in see jesus step in and now um we have this king that has been this king, this Messiah that has come to resurrect all of all that has been broken, to reconcile and to redeem and to to fix the gaping hole, to bridge the gap that has been forged, um, that has been separated um, because of the sin that has happened in the hearts of of mankind. All right, and so. Now that Jesus is on the scene, this is what happened. So this is, in, in, my, in, my, in a very short way, here's what I want to tell you. This is what the gospel is, all right? The gospel is very simply this. Bigger than my salvation, all right, more than just me being rescued personally, the gospel is that when everything in the world seemed hopeless and seemed gone, Jesus came and stepped in. This very simply is the gospel, it is bigger than my personal salvation. In fact, what it goes on to say is that there is a role that I play in performing the work of God in the earth, right? And so we step in to um, this question that says, okay, so if that's the gospel, if God is, is at work in, this, in, a, in a much bigger way, then what is my responsibility in it? And this is where kind of I want to I rest um, for the rest of our time together, is I want to ask this question Is what, if we understand what the gospel is. If the gospel is bigger than, if a, a very very much a part of it is, is the gospel is the good news that Jesus has come so that we may have life, and that I personally can have life. That is a very, it's a very important truth for me to under, for us to understand. But if, we were to, if we're gonna have an understanding of the completeness of the gospel, then it begs us another question is that, okay, so then what role as children of God, as followers of Jesus, what role is it that we play in the gospel story? in the story of creation? Because the story doesn't end here. It ends in the book of Revelation. But right now, God is performing his work on the earth. And so what role is there for me um, in this? Um, here's the coolest part about what I think the Lord does in, um, throughout the, the course of history, is that even though we are fallen, and even though we continue to mess up, God continues to choose. He doesn't have to do it this way, but he does. He continues to choose to use men and women like us To be a part of bringing redemption and reconciliation and peace on the earth. Um, Five months ago, we had a family retreat that we offered to the families of our youth ministry, and we went. and We had this really awesome. um, We had a really great weekend. Over the course of the weekend, we had a speaker who came and spoke, and his name was Fran Shaka. I know he's a beloved. I know a lot of you out here know him. You've heard him speak, and he is absolutely phenomenal. But Fran talked one day about this word, and, and, um, and I'm going to give him credit because it's, it's definitely, I've been very much inspired um, by this idea. But he said that um, if you, what the call of the Christian is, he talks about this, is that if you were to go back and you were to read through the story of Scripture, you would find this word in the um, Old Testament for peace, and it's this word shalom. And it's this really powerful word, um, and it's used 200, it's used 253 times in um the the first five books of the Old Testament. Um, and it's used a whole lot there because it talks about kind of this reinstallation of peace after all that had been lost and chaos ensued. So what, this idea, it goes like this. If all things were broken with the garden and with Adam and Eve and sin, if all things were broken at that point, that basically we are living in a world now that is trying to get back to the garden. So we live basically from one garden scene to the other garden scene. If you read Revelation the book of Revelation, it talks about this. It's basically the reinstallation of what Jesus created in the garden. So we have all things are, are in perfect unity in the garden in Genesis. And all things are in perfect unity in Revelation um, the, with, with Jesus uh, in, in his glory. And so somewhere in between there is there is, there is, a, there is a gap where things are not perfect. And there's this restlessness amongst us. And so here's the way I would, I would say it, is that there is a chaos in our world that God has called you and I as believers to step into, um, to bring, in a sense, to bring shalom um, into the earth, all right? This is the calling of the Christian. This is what the gospel is, is that we, as men and women, who have been called by Jesus, who have been resurrected by the faith, who have had our, our lives, our relationship with Jesus reconciled, we are called to step into a very dark and a very chaotic world and to bring peace, to bring Shalom. Not just peace, but this, this, uh, this word shalom, it has, it has a deeper context. Um, what, it, what it means is it's this idea of completion or wholeness or res- restoration. This is what the body of Christ is called to be in the world, is that we step into a dark world and we bring light. We step into a chaotic world and we bring peace. This is the, this is the goal of the gospel. All right. Um, one of the passages we read is out of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And so I want to read these verses to you because I think these are, um, these are phenomenal verses for us this morning. Um, it says this. Um, for what we proclaim is not of ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Here's what Paul has basically said. He said, hey, listen, it's really not about you. It's not. It has nothing to do with you. But what we proclaim, the gospel that we proclaim is strictly Jesus. If you were to go back and you were to read the original languages, a lot of the times in the Old Testament, I mean, sorry, in the New Testament, when gospel is translated, it's just strictly translated as Christ. So what this gospel we proclaim, we proclaim Christ strictly. This is what, this is the heart of our gospel story, is that at the center of it is a, is a person who has stepped into our life, and he has, he has grabbed a hold of our hearts, and he has called us um, to be a part of the work um, that Jesus has for us, all right? Um, Paul does two really cool things. One, he tells us that it's not about you, all right? It's not about us. It's not We don't, we don't proclaim ourselves. We proclaim the goodness of Jesus. And secondly, is that he has placed inside of each of us a light that shines in the darkness. I love, I've used this analogy a lot with our students and they probably, um, they know this and they probably gotten sick of hearing it. But I love the analogy of light and darkness and that God uses this to talk about who we are. Because here's the thing, if I was to ask some of you to, or if I was to ask you, hey, can somebody bring the darkness into this room? The only way that you're gonna be able to do this is either to break all the lights or to go back and, um, into the sound booth and turn and hit the off switch to turn the lights off right? So you cannot, there's no way in, in, There's no way possible for you to bring darkness into a lit area, which shows the power of light. But if it, if we were to turn all the lights off, and we were to black out all of these windows, and it was pitch black dark in here, and I was to say, hey, can somebody shine a light? You very easily pull out a cell phone, and you could, you know, you could turn a light on, you could light a match, you could light a candle, you could do any of these things, because light overpowers darkness in all things. And what Paul tells us here is that there is a light that has been placed in your heart because of the power of Jesus, because of the things that God has done. There is a light that if you are called as a child of God, he has placed that within you so that as you walk into this chaos and this darkness that the world is, you may shine brightly for him and that you will be illuminated and that it's not you that's illuminated. But as you walk into, as you carry this light, what's illuminated is Jesus, that Jesus is illuminated in all of the darkness. That as the darkness sits and rests, there's this illumination to who God is. And it it awakens everybody to the light that is Christ, to the knowledge and the understanding of who Jesus is. And that this is what the calling of the believer is, is that we step into a very dark world carrying the light that's within us. And as our light shines, we are helping bring peace and shalom in these things um, into the world. We read um, Matthew 5, 9 earlier. And it says this, blessed are the peacemakers um, for theirs is the kingdom of God, all right? The peacemakers, and I love this, all right? It's not peacekeepers, it's not what we're called to. It's not to be peacekeepers. We are called to step into chaos, to walk into areas of darkness, areas that are tough, and to make peace. This is, the, this is what God has empowered us as believers to do. Um, I read a. I've been reading this book um, for, um, or I read a, I read a book uh, about the Sermon on the Mount. And one of the, the author of the book, he says this about this passage. I think this is really good. He says this. Peacemaking is, not, is neither being nice nor is it tolerance. Rather, it is an active entrance into the middle of warring parties for the, for the purpose of creating reconciliation and peace. All right? So I'm going to read this again. It says this. Peacemaking is neither being nice nor is it tolerance Rather, it is an active entrance into the middle of warring parties for the purpose of creating reconciliation and peace. And so we ask ourselves, in a, in a, very, in a very chaotic world, um, in a world made, that's full of darkness, and we see this all the time, we see this everywhere we turn, as we flip on the news, we see that darkness and chaos seems to be a theme that runs our world right now. And we ask ourselves, like, what is the, what is the goal, what is the, what is the response of, of Christians to be, all right? Um, and, and please hear me, I, I'm, not, I'm not standing on a political platform at all, right? You'll never hear me do that from the pulpit. That's a conversation for me for another time. But one of the things that I do want you to understand is that, we, or for us to understand, is that God has given us the ability to be peacemakers, to step into darkness, um, to step into chaos, to help bring peace and light and illuminate the power of Jesus in the world. And this is... Um, this is the wonderful God that we serve, right? This is our response to the gospel. This is our call of a response. Based on what God has done for us and for you and for me, he has given us the ability, the empowering to go and to be agents of peace, agents of shalom, agents of reconciliation everywhere we go, to step into darkness, to step into the chaos and to be able to do this, right? And so here's the thing. A lot of us, as we, as we hear this, um, we're like, yeah, we can we can get on board with that. But there's kind of a there's a couple of things that we may think. And so I want to kind of address this because um, for all my, my, my youngsters up front right here who, who are um, sitting here. Here's the thing. A lot of times students and I've told them this before. We've talked about this before, I've told them that one of the things that they may think is that, hey, I'll, I'll be I'll be that when I'm older. Right. I'll get to a point where I get there when I'm older. And for those of us in the room who are older, You may say, well, I've done that my whole life, or I've tried to, and I'm kind of hanging my hat up, and I'm going to retire from being an agent of shalom. And what I want to tell, I want to challenge us with today is that from the second that God has called you to be his children until the day that that you leave this earth, until the day that you meet Jesus in glory, you are called, we are called to be agents of peace, agents of reconciliation, agents um, agents of shalom. And so I, I challenge you and I that as we kind of engage our world is that we find ways. What are, the, what are the ways that we can step into our offices and to our businesses, to our families, to our friends, to our sports teams, to our classrooms, and we can represent the peace and the, the, the light of Christ in all that we do? You know, are there ways in which we can step into um, conflict and we can say, hey, I'm going to shine, here's a way in which I'm going to shine Christ, is I'm going to step into this conflict, and I'm going to, I'm going to allow the peace of Christ to indwell that situation. Um, these students have been very much this in my life and in Rebecca's life, and uh, one of the, the joys that we've had is being able to lead uh, this student ministry for the past six years. And so as I think back, um, my life has been radically transformed because of the relationships I have with these students. They have been to me agents of peace. They have shown me what it looks like to be the light of Christ in very hard situations. They have walked into situations on mission trips or in other places where there is great conflict, and they have been bright lights. I remember we went to San Francisco. Y'all got to hear from um, Rod and Gwen Miles, um, I guess it was a couple weeks ago, and one of the things that Rod said to me when he, when, when he said, man, your students, like they are such a bright light. Like it is amazing to be able to watch students who love Jesus the way they do because we don't know what that's like here. They have been very much the model for this. And not by trying to do anything else, but by putting Christ central in what they do and how they live. And so the, the gospel very simply to the, today in my, um, in, in my understanding of it and, and hopefully the challenge that we have is that the gospel is Christ. The heart of the gospel, it says that make Christ the centerpiece of everything that we do and as you do that, as you walk through the world thinking of strictly that, of, of Christ, of placing Christ as at the center of who you are, you are being an agent of shalom. You are being an agent of light. You are being an agent of reconciliation. You are helping to continue to um, make the world a better place. All right, let me end with one illustration. Um, and I've done, this in, I've done this, I did this last, last summer. Um, I preached a sermon. And so I want to I want to use this as an illustration. all right? If you imagine that at creation this is the world, all right? This is our world that God created, and all is perfect, and all is at, all, all is all is well. It is good. It is good. Good. Everything has been made has been made perfect. Um, so the way I imagine is this: is that when sin entered the world and it literally messed everything up, the world was flipped upside down from the way that God had originally intended for it to be. all right? So now we have we're living in in a sense an upside down world. And so here's what I fully believe. This is what the call of us as Christians to be is. And it is that we are working to bring the world back to its original place. Acts 17.6, this this is a great story of Paul and Silas, and they're there in Thessalonica. and um, They, in a sense, are are living, they're walking, they are preaching this gospel of Jesus, and it is kind of ruffling the feathers of every community that they walk in. It kind of messes with everybody. Um, and as they step into Thessalonica, they, be, they come in preaching. And what happens is, is that everybody there gets kind of like, like on edge by their presence. They can't believe that they're there. And what Acts chapter 17 verse 6 says is that these, this is a testimony of the people in Thessalonica. They say of Paul and Silas, these men who have flipped the world upside down have come here also. And so I imagine that what the people of Thessalonica are saying is this, all right, that all right, the world was good. The world now has sin and it. it's been flipped. But what Paul and Silas are doing is that they are in a sense bringing the world back to the way that it was meant to be. Is that this is what's happening. Is that they are coming in and saying, hey, listen, sin, it exists. Chaos, pain, it all exists. But we wanna come in and we wanna show you a hope that we have found in Jesus. We want to show you Christ. We want to illuminate Christ in this dark, chaotic world. And as they do that, the people look and they say, they are bringing the world back back to its original place, right? This is the call of Christians. This is the call that we have. And as Rebecca and I step aside and as we leave um, next week, we are leaving because we feel like God is calling us to go in and to be this in another area. Um, with Brookwood in our hearts and we know praying for us, we are super excited about the journeys to come. But this is the call. And so as we leave, and as this kind of maybe being one of our final words, if nothing else, I hope that this image will stick in your mind. And that as you think about what is the gospel, the gospel is this, is that God created a perfect world that was broken by sin. But because of Jesus, he has brought back this relationship with him. And it calls us to be the ones who are bringing the world back to its rightful place. Um, We're going to have communion here in a minute. And one of the cool things about today is that we're, we're coming to the table where we see um, the original agent of Shalom. We see when all was gone and lost and people sat around questioning, when is the Messiah going to come? Who is this person? Jesus steps into the scene and he, he does the only thing that allows us to have union with him as he went to the cross. And so as we come this morning and as you take communion and as you eat and as you meditate on it, I pray that, that you would see um, in these elements, these are these are. These are elements of peace. These are, these are what Jesus had to do in order for us to experience peace, to have this, this wonderful understanding. Um, let me, I wanna to read to you one thing. So the Westminster um, Shorter Catechism, it says this, is that the chief end of man is to glorify God um, and enjoy him forever. And this is, these are these great words that were found there. But at the table, we come, and this is where we come, and we enjoy the presence of God. And so as you come this morning, I ask that you come and you enjoy um, and you, as you take that, you taste and you eat and you see that it is good. And may they challenge and they and they move us forward. All right, let me pray for us, and then um, and we will we will come to communion. God, we thank you for um, this morning, Lord. We thank you for this time, and we ask Jesus that um, that you would challenge us, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts, and God, that you would reveal to us um, our calling in this world, in a world that is dark and hectic and chaotic and crazy. Um, Lord, in a world that sometimes doesn't seem to make sense, Father, I pray that you would show us what it is that you have for us. God, as your body, as individual believers, but God, as your body of Christ, would you continue to open our eyes to see ways in which we can enter into a dark, hurting, painful, hopeless world, and we can be agents of hope and peace and restoration and reconciliation and redemption and that when people see us, Lord, that it's not about us, but God, that there is this illumination in our spirit because of the work that you have done for us and that that would transcend everything else. That, God, that that light would be, it would be contagious, it would be attractive, that people would be drawn to it. And so, Lord, I pray that as we come, um, even now, as we take these elements, that we remember, God, the ways that you have transformed us. Um, Lord, we come to this table because, um, Because we get to. We get to come and enjoy. Uh, We get to come and taste and see your goodness. And so, Lord, I pray that we would taste, see, and glorify you um, as we come uh, and have this time together. Lord, we love you and we thank you. We pray these things in your name. Amen.